You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barrent, where the only goal around here is to help you create a better practice and a better life. And that's why this podcast was born and we're going to keep bringing it. And today we do it with an amazing lead practice coach we have here at Act Dental, and her name is Ariel Jude. And we talk about how you can improve your cash flow with better financial arrangements. Please listen. This will definitely help you. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I hope you're enjoying this as much as we are because all we know is like, first of all, this is the greatest profession ever. And secondly, there's so many avenues to cover to help you improve your practice in your life. And we're committed to that. So number one, thanks for showing up. We'll keep bringing it. I'm going to find the best coaches, best thinkers anywhere. And today that is exactly true. We have one of our amazing lead coaches here, Ariel Jude, <laughs> and you're going to see how awesome she is and how brilliant she is. And we're going to be talking about how to improve your cash flow. So keep showing up. So Ariel, thanks for being on. I appreciate you. Yeah, I'm happy to help. Yeah. So I always like to start here. You're a lead practice coach and um, I always want people to know who they're listening to. So give us a little background, like Ariel, like how did you, wait, how did you even become a coach here? Like when we found you, we were like, we got to hire this person. She's amazing. But who are you and how did you get started in this path in dentistry? I started just really from the bottom with no experience, just as anyone else uh, got into it. I asked a practice manager to give me a chance and let me help learn the dental field and started really gravitating towards the administrative side and every position possible on the admin team. I did it and liked it and enjoyed it and then moved my way up to the leadership positions and then decided that, you know, I wanted to just see what else was out there and Instead of helping one office, I wanted to see if I was able to help more. Um, so I, I've always followed ACT, and I just kind of wanted to say, hey, you know, be great part of, be part of the team, and reached out. The video on the interview scared me a little bit, but I did it, and now I'm here. Yeah. Well, we're so grateful to have you on the team because 
you know, you guys will see this as you're listening. She makes us better. So Ariel's always challenging kind of the status quo, how we think about things. And uh, you do bring an incredible gift of really understanding the admin area. And so if you're a dentist listening, you know, today we're going to probably do this in a two-part series. Today we're going to be talking about how to improve your cash flow. Uh, You know, money is to your practice what oxygen is to your body. Without it, both die. And so we have to speak to the reality that your business, your dental practice, has to have some healthy rules, boundaries, targets around cash flow and money. And so today we're going to cover that. And so Ariel, you know, as you're talking to our clients, we coach great practices all over. Let's talk about the why behind this problem. What's the biggest problem that a lot of dentists have when it comes to this issue? Limiting beliefs that, you know, they just don't want to talk money or patients can't pay that, you know, or, that you're not involved and they say, oh, my team's got it, but they don't know what questions to ask just to make sure. Um, and it's money's not a bad thing to talk about. Right. I don't want you giving everything away for free. You need to be paid. And trust me, your team members want to be paid. So they're going to want to collect the money if they understand and they have the support on how and when and what to collect. Yeah. And so, you know, in defense of the dental practice and the team members, usually the dentist is the biggest problem. So let's call that out right away. You know, we know a great portion of our clients should never talk money. They like to give everything away. They like to screw everything up. They have a lot of patients that have their cell phone number. So they override team members all the time when you're trying to establish boundaries. And then the second piece, you said the magic word support. Mention this because you've mentioned this a few times. There's a special place in our hearts here at Act Dental for the admin team. There's just not a lot of great training out there, is there, for admin team members on this? No, and I can't, I mean, I can't go to school to be a dental receptionist or learn dental insurance and accounting. There's there's courses, but they're hard to find. They can be expensive. And so team members don't go out and search it for themselves. So as teams and doctors, we have to provide that for them because they don't come with that experience already. And if they do, it's because it's from another office. So good or bad habits, we don't know until they're in the practice. So we have to invest. And a lot of the times we say, hey, go answer the phone, collect money, schedule. And that's their three guidelines. And it's much harder than that. (laughs) It's way harder than that. And if you don't believe me, Try doing that job for one day. You'll go, I got to get out of here. So uh, so let's start here. So Ariel, I'm a dentist. I got a busy practice. I don't even know where to start. I don't know what's going on up front. Like, what would you tell me? What would you coach me to do? Where do we even start with this whole concept of improving cash flow? I would first start to say, what are our financial agreements with ourselves and our practice what are what do we want do we want to and you know list out the questions and ask yourself you know what forms of payment do we want to take do we want to accept checks do we you know do we want to accept all credit cards Um, do we want to accept you know third-party financing do we want to allow payments and then once we say yes or no to those things then we dive deeper into okay what type of payments do we want to take when does it make sense for us to use outside financing? Because you have it's all a balance of we know if we go to outside financing, there's going to be a fee. But we know 
collecting money over several months ourselves is much harder. So we have to ask those questions. Um, then we have to ask, you know, what type of discounts do we give? When do we give discounts? Because we have to set guidelines. Because as you said, doctors and dentists, they like to give discounts. They just, and I always ask, why? Why are we giving that discount? And so really start thinking about, well, why would we give a discount? When would it be? Who's okay to give that discount? And what amount? Um, because the more we can get all of these questions answered ahead of time, the less you have team members coming to you throughout the day asking, oh, Miss Smith wants to pay this. Mr. Jones wants to do this. It just helps them. They have their guidelines and they know. Then we can turn that into educating our patients on this is when we collect, this is how we collect, and this is how we can help you. Anything outside of that would be a further conversation. Yeah. And I know you're pointing to this, that everything's got to be in writing because if it isn't in writing, it doesn't exist. So we've got to come up with some rules for how money is handled in dental practice. And I, I can already see we can turn this into like a three hour episode. We won't for you guys, but like a couple things that I would say as you get started, you got to get your thinking right. I believe that money spent on dentistry is one of the best investments a human being can make. So that is an important component of everybody understanding. Number two, you got to bill full fees. So anything, you know, in Ariel's previous uh, podcast, you'll see in other things. And also you're really good at teaching our community, like billing out your full fee is an important piece of that, you know, and then you're right. How do we collect that? Do we collect that cash, check or charge? And don't back down from that. You know, I, I would say that probably one thing that's really important is number one, after we outline, like, how are we going to collect payments? Let's lean into that. Let's not be shy about that. Let's be confident. Let's be clear. And you also have to have somebody who doesn't have any limiting beliefs when it comes to money asking for that at the front. Correct. I mean, what are your, cause you, you experience this a lot. Yeah. I'll collect it from everyone. Yeah. Uh, and you just have to have the person who just assumes everyone bought that couch off of the yard sale and it's got millions of dollars in it. You don't know, you know, you don't know if it's stored in their walls. I mean, I'm still hoping that happens to me one day, but <laughs> you know, you just assume that everyone has it until they tell you you don't. Right. And once they say that they don't have it, that means they don't have it right now. So then, okay, let's go to my financial arrangements and see what can I offer you and how can I help you afford this. But you have to go in believing that everyone's going that you've provided enough value and you've educated them enough that they're going to want to pay full fee for it. Yeah. Because if they do value it, then they will pay. And maybe they can't pay today and that's okay and that's when then I go to my arrangements that I've already preset. Yeah, that's awesome. And so what tip, what typically dentists do, and you know who you are if you're listening, is they do wallet biopsies. So they already make assumptions on who can pay and who can't pay. So that gets in the way. So you want to remove that. And you want to make sure that whoever is talking money, they're confident in talking about money. You know, they assume what Ariel has said. And then I like what you said is if they don't pay, if they can't pay, it's, it just means they can't pay right now. And then you instantly change your mindset to, I'm an advocate for you. I'm going to help you. We're going to find a way. I mean, is that how you think about it, Ariel? Is, you know, if they want to get to dentistry, I'm kind of a jump, jumping to assumptions, but if they want to do the dentistry, you're going to find a way to make it happen. Is that correct thinking? 
Absolutely. Because it, like I said, if they want it and I don't want to make finances a barrier for them, let's find a way within the guidelines that work for both of us, right? It has to be mutually exclusive that it benefits them and it benefits us as a practice. I cannot say, you know, and agree to a patient says, yeah, I'll get these two crowns done and I'll pay you $5 a month. I'm going to be retired before those crowns are paid off. But for them, it's okay, you know, what's within your budget and see. And if it's not something that I can accommodate, that's when I would look at maybe my outside financing and see. And even if they say, you know, they can't pay it today, we don't know what their situation is going to be in a month. Do they get an end of the year bonus? Do, you know, do they just have some things they have to pay off? So we don't want to ever assume that they don't want it just because they can't do it that day. They're always going to remember how you made them feel. And if you judge them when they do have the financial means, they're not coming back to you. Yeah, absolutely. And help us get our thinking right around third-party financing or outside. You know, a lot of dentists, they're like, no, and like we're big fans of care credit and help us think correctly about it. what does it do and how should I use it properly in my practice? And what if I say to myself, well, I'm a fee-for-service dentist. I don't need care credit. I mean, Help us think better about that. You just want to live. I mean, with it, you want to help more patients be able to financially afford it. And care credit and other outside financing is a way that some of them can, right? Because maybe they're on a monthly budget that doesn't fit your monthly budget. Maybe they're on that $50 a month, whereas you don't want to take that risk, but an outside financing will. And that's where you have to say is who takes the risk? Let the outside financing take the risk because they've been doing it. They know they're in the industry, right? They know how to collect money. They charge the fees. We are not a bank. We are not a credit card company. All I know is how to collect today. And if they need help doing that, then that's what I'm going to use my resources. And I hear, oh, well, they charge a huge fee. And well, they have to get paid somehow as well. But what is the fee of me trying to hunt down payments from my patients, you know, sending the statements, doing the phone calls, getting the, you know, and we all know the time value of money. If I can get 90% of my money today, well, then I will pay that 10% fee. But if I'm spreading it out over a year, it's not worth the same. And how many hours have my team members spent reminding Ms. Smith, don't forget you have that payment coming up or, oh, your credit card was declined. It's just, it's a lot of hassle. And it puts the conversations in a negative tone with your patients and your team members. Right. It's easy to talk money when it's positive. Hey, this is the crown you're getting. This is your investment. But when I'm telling you now you owe money or and then you have to tell me you can't pay today, it hurts the relationship because patients don't like owing you money. No. Oh, yeah. They don't like you when they owe you money, whether you, whether you think they do or not. So let's, let's go back to a couple of things you said, cause I love this. Now, you know, as you're listening to the patient and you're assuming that they can pay when they can't, or even when they can, we're still going to get in writing. So how important is it to have financial arrangements in writing? And now you, there's a, there's a big debate, you know, does everything always have to be in writing? Some dentists say anything North of $750 has got to be in a writing. How important is writing? And is there a threshold for the writing? And what are your thoughts when it comes to written financial arrangements? Um, I guess you can, I mean, everyone can make their own threshold. Um, I say anything that you want to collect should be in writing. The only thing I would say is, you know, a hygiene appointment, 
that is typically covered 100% by insurance. Sure, maybe not, but anything restorative or outside of your profies should be in writing. And if you say, no, I don't need it signed, I don't need it in writing, that tells me you're willing to write it off. Because if I don't have it in writing, now you've made it very hard for me to collect. And when we get into a disagreement or conflict with the patient, I don't have anything to back me up proving that I showed them this investment, proving that they agreed to it. It's very easy for me to collect when I say, hey, Kirk, um, today's portion is $1,500. You say, I didn't agree to that. Oh, well, on November 7th, you signed this treatment estimate saying, oh, yeah, I did. It's very, it's very hard to deny when you see your own signature on paper. Um, and then even if it gets to the point of collections, if I'm sending you to collections, I need a way to show that I went over this with the patient. And it's all about informed consent as well. Is if, if they want to make a fully informed decision on the treatment, that includes the investment. Yeah. Now go back to the word collections because that's a hot topic too. You know, people, I get these questions all the time when I'm out speaking, like what happens? Like what's the best way to send people to collections? I think we would both agree by the time we get to a collections, we are now officially in a lose-lose position. Would you agree? 100%. If you are at the point where you're sending the patient to collections, you know that you're not getting that money back. There's a very small chance that you're getting it back and very small chance you're getting that patient back. Um, so I'm more on the principle of like, hey, if you get a service, you should pay for it. So I'm not opposed to sending patients to collections because to me it's like, trying to hold them accountable for that and in hopes that I do get some return. But you have to do your due diligence of having that, you know, upfront communication, having the financial arrangement signed in place. Even if they're making payments, it needs to be signed. We need to know exactly what those payments are, when those payment dates are coming out. Then they're getting their statements and the letters. And that's more on the managing the AR that we can talk about at a later date. But is yeah, once you get to collections, you've lost the patient anyways. So to me, there's no harm in sending them and for that one last push of trying to collect what you're owed. Yeah. And I, I really want to go into the details of the AR. Um, we'll, get, we'll cover a little bit of it today and then we'll do it in a follow-up episode. But take me through the psychology of payments, you know, and, and, and again, like we coach so many different practices. The cool thing about this industry is there's no one way to do it. You can do it however you want. But let's say I have a patient and the treatment plan is $18,000. You know, your our admin team member who's responsible for collecting. What is your, what's your all, what's your best practice on this? Are you thinking, okay, we're going to get a significant deposit first and the patient insists like, I can't pay this all, but I wouldn't mind breaking up it in payments. What are some of your philosophical thoughts on an $18,000 treatment plan? And I just made that number up. As me, I'm getting excited. I'm like, this is going to be great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but when you go into it, right, I present it, I let them know, you know, okay, so this is everything you and the doctor have agreed upon that for treatment, this is going to be your investment. And then pause and just, you know, just wait and let them process it because that could be a sticker shock for them. If the doctor has done a good job presenting the treatment and the value of it, they already have an idea of how much it's going to cost. They may not know the exact dollar amount, but they're going to know. $18,000, they shouldn't be expecting you know, 
5,000. They already kind of have an idea. So let them process it. Let them think through in their mind, because I don't know what's in their bank account. I don't know what's in their investments. Let them have that 30, 45 seconds, even a minute of thinking, okay, where can I pull this from? And let them be the first ones to say anything. Um, because some patients say, oh, I, I can't do that. And then that's when I say, oh, okay, you know, what are, you know, what can you do? And they say, oh, well, I'd be able to actually pay that next week. I have to move some things around. So before I even offered anything else, I figured out, oh, they actually can pay it in full, just not today. And I think that's pretty reasonable not to expect them to just write you a check that day, but see what are they thinking, you know, and get that. And I would say on that, you know, taking a deposit is fine. The patient's going to know that. And that's where the communication comes in um, for it. And then if they say, oh, I would really need to split this into payments. Okay, our typical is we do half at you know the prep and then half at the seat date. Is that something that would work with your budget? And then pause. And I only give them one option at a time because I don't want to talk them out. I always start with my most ideal, which is collecting in full. Then I will go to my second ideal option, which is still collecting payment in full before seeding the, you know, if they say, oh, you know, two payments, that's not, you know, okay, what if we push your treatment out one month and then we divide it into three payments um, and just go in baby steps and say, you know, what would work for your budget? And they say, well, you know what? I could do 5,000 a month. Okay, let's see. Can you do a $3,000 down payment today and then we'll do the 5,000 a month? Then when you come in, you'll get your final product you'll be all caught up. And that's how you'll talk them into, you know, going in and eventually if they say, nope, can't do that. And for me, going past three months is a lot for you to be collecting in an office. That's when I would say, you know, we could talk about outside financing if that's something you're interested in um, and let them know, you know, we can go ahead. We utilize care credit in our office. I can get you, we can apply today and get approved if you want more information and just see where their mind's at. But I see a lot of team members go instantly into giving them all these options. Yeah. And I tell everyone, I'm the patient that if you give me the options to make payments, I'm doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> go, let's go back to that. Cause that was one of my questions is, you know, how far out, you know, you're, you're looking at the threshold for extending anything. I mean, 90 days is going to be the max and ideally probably 60 days, but, but Ariel, what if this treatment is going to be six months long? Do I still stick to the 90 days? Those are questions that come up. You can't, I mean, I would say, yes, I would try, right? That's my first option. If the patient really can't do it, as long as you're collecting the final dollar before the final placement, then you're in a good spot. Okay, you I said the, wait. Sick. You said a magic word before the placement, so I'm before. not collecting it on the final placement. I'm collecting it before. What does that mean? When they walk in to get that full mouth rehab and saying, "All right, you're taking all your teeth home today. Let's go ahead and get you squared away." They know they're going to pay and to get it before they go seat in that chair because once they have you know that final product, they have those shiny new teeth in their mouth then they come out, what are you going to do when they say, oh, I don't have it today? I mean, I would tell them, well, then you can't take the teeth home today, but it's, that's harder. It's it a harder is harder. Call. 
Yeah. And really, I mean, if, if you heard that the wrong way, you'd be like, oh no, that sounds, you're training a patient base, how to behave in relationship. You know, it's a, it's a really a sacred bond between a consumer and a business. It's a very important bond. It's a bond of trust. So don't overthink this. It's not you being mean. It's like, it's an important component of a trusting relationship between a customer and a business. And Ariel, you know, I know we'll talk about AR at another time, but the other thing is financial arrangements don't always go perfectly. Sometimes they're imperfect. Sometimes you're finding a way to help the patient. In the same token, you as the administrator who's responsible for this, you're always the financial, you know, lookout for the practice. And I love how you describe this in our courses, like in the huddle, there's going to be people that are coming in today and they owe us money. And I love how you say this. So I paraphrase you. I'm like, make sure she sees me before she goes back because she owes us money. Can you explain that concept? I love it. Yeah. So at the huddle, you know, I want the doctor to know one of the things that I'm presenting on is what I'm supposed to do that day. These are the people that I need to see and I need to collect. If you take them back before I talk to them, there's a chance that I cannot collect that balance because I need to know. And I just want to talk to the patients before the appointment to see where they're at, you know, to get that collection. And ideally, I've already had the conversation with them over the phone. It's not a surprise. Um, but if it is a surprise, it's much easier to have the face-to-face -face conversation, get it squared away before their appointment, before they're adding more of a balance. Because if they owe me $800 and they're scheduled for a crown today and they can't pay me the $800, well, now they're going to walk away and now they're going to owe me a lot of money. And that, like I said that earlier, that hurts the relationship. They're not going to want to come in for their hygiene visits. They're not going to want to answer the phone, even if I'm just calling to tell them happy birthday. They're, they just, it hurts it, that relationship, because no one likes to owe anyone money. If I owe you money and I have a financial agreement and I know that I'm paying you and it's already squared away, then I'll show up for my appointments. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I have so many other questions, too, because I've been doing this a long time. I've been involved in these debates, you know, and years ago you heard the debate like the dentist should always talk money. I have a firm opinion about this now, but back when, when people were teaching dentists to do comprehensive dentistry, a lot of the instructors you would hear say, no, the dentist, if they can't talk about the money, that's going to get in the way. What do you think about that? Should every dentist talk money or, and you can say whatever you want, because I'm going to say what I, what I feel. And I think we should be opinionated about this, but what's your experience? I personally don't think any dentist should be talking money um, because they don't know the ins and outs. And why I always say that, and even I always caution it to even clinical team members, and it's not the actual dollar amount. Everyone could say, oh, this investment's $18,000. It's the after part is when patients start having questions and they start asking you, now you don't know those answers. So now the patient is losing trust in you. So I always say, stick with what you're good at. If you ask clinical questions, they, you can answer it. They build trust in you. They ask financial, I could tell them the dollar amount, but anything after that is where I have to move them over. And I've lost a little bit of their trust, whereas I could initially transition that power to my admin team and say, you know what, Mary is great. She's going to help you with all the financing and the scheduling, and then she can answer those questions for you. I just don't like losing any trust by saying, oh, I don't know. And then they're like, what about this? What about that? And it just blurs the line. Um, and then it also, they pull out your heartstrings of, 
oh, well, you know, I can't do this or I can't do that or I just did this with you. Um, so I would say if you're strong enough and you know and you really value the work you do and you're confident and you know the answers, go for it. I'm not saying you shouldn't present it. Um, but I also say let and back up your admin team members, um, even if they, especially if they've already had the conversation. Well, Mary told me I owe $18,000. Well, then you owe $18,000. Like Mary's the one that knows. I leave that all to her um, and give them that authority. Yeah, I think that's gold what you just said. Like if you're a dentist listening, let your team members do their job. You know, let them do it really well and don't take the power away from them because if you've let the patients go around your team members up front, you're causing a huge problem because you're telling your team members to do a good job and then you take power away from them by letting the patients go around you. So don't do that. And your team members should be able to call you out on that when it is happening. I'll go back to my answer for financial arrangements. I completely agree with exactly what you said. I think if you're getting started and you're new in practice, you should never talk money. Just don't. Hire somebody, train somebody, have them take care of money. And then as you get good at dentistry and you're good at giving pay, if what you say aids the person who collects money, then keep doing it. If what you say takes away from the person collecting money, everyone should call you out on it and say, stop, because I know what you're thinking. Like you give up, you give people a range and the range is wrong, <laughs> you know, and they're not even close. Uh, and some of my favorite stories, so there's a treatment coordinator in South Carolina. And this is one of my favorite stories. The dentist's name is Brian. So you know who you are if you're listening. Brian says to his treatment coordinator, no, 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 this is my neighbor. He's a construction worker. Like, don't get, no, 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 he can't, no, 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 don't, don't charge him our full fees. She said, get out of here, go do your job. And she, they did, they did a great job of taking care of them. And she just said, you know what, I'm going to let him decide. Well, he signed up for a $55,000 full mouth rehab. And she said, stay out of the way. He needs our help. Like he needs us. Like, why are you getting in the way? And he's like, okay. You know, so if given the right guidelines and the right training and the right person there and you trust somebody, they'll do an excellent job, which allows you as a dentist just to focus on what you can focus on, which is the relationships, the care, you know. And then also, I want you to talk about this. This has been said for a long time. 70% of all case acceptance failure happens between the clinical conversation and the financial conversation. I find that to be true. It's like, we can do an amazing job. And then whoop, you, you, it's like a scratch on a record. As soon as we, like we get into that range. Have you found that to be true um, in that respect? Especially when the doctor is talking finances ahead of time and setting expectations. No. Oh, Miss Jones. Oh, he said that you only had to pay what? And it's like, so then it sets me up and it makes it harder. But it does is if they don't have the true value of the clinical work, they don't have all of their clinical questions answered before they go to financing. And if I don't have good guidelines and I can't answer their questions, I can't give them, then they're going, that's where I see the lack of. And then they, it, they make it sound like they can't afford it. But really, they didn't like the way we presented it. You know, we were too harsh or they felt we were judging them, you know, or we were too pushy. That's where I would see it coming from is that clinical to financial is something in the way of the way we made them feel and not necessarily the amount. Yeah, love it. I absolutely love it. Now, I, I again, I, I, I have these conversations. So let's talk about go back to the declined payment. 
you know, let's say it's a decline. That's a hard one, Ariel. Like nobody wants to have that conversation. So we ran a few credit cards today on some promises and some financial arrangements. One or two of them was declined. Now they're not always declined because there's not enough money in there. Sometimes the expirations, you know, expire. Walk us through that scenario because it does happen in businesses. How do we approach this? I just, and like you said, there's lots of reasons why it's declined. So you also don't get that prejudgment in your mind of why it was declined. So you see a declined payment. Okay, I need to call. And, you know, if someone calls me and says, hey, I had a payment declined, who knows? A lot of fraud alerts go on and they have to approve it on the back end because the bank just didn't recognize the charge or, you know, they locked it or they lost that card and they forgot to tell you. So there's lots of reasons. So I just say call them immediately, let them know the situation. And most of the time, it's something that they can fix very easily. And then you get their permission so you know, can I run it this afternoon or run it tomorrow? If you don't get in contact with them, call until you do. I would say, you know, try and run it the next day. You know, see if it goes through because you have that agreement on file that it's owed. So I just go ahead and automatically try and rerun it. And then I give them a call. Then I send a text, you know, just letting them know that there was a problem with their payment if they could give me a call. If I don't get into contact with them, they are no longer on a payment arrangement with me. I take them off. They go into my collections and they get my statements. They get the phone calls just as a normal patient would. And then I make a flag to that they are not able to create more financial arrangements with me. I'm not going to allow them to make more payments in the future because they didn't withhold that relationship and that agreement that we made prior. Yeah, that's so brilliant. So brilliant. One more thing. And obviously we're talking about building a great system and then training people how to run the system is I'm sure when you're doing confirmation calls or reminder calls, patients that are having, that have balances, Ariel, I know I signed this, you know, they don't often remember what they signed. How are you reminding patients that when we see you on Tuesday, you know, you're going to bring a payment or uh, I'm sure there's some type of process that you like as best practice in the middle of these payments that we remind patients so that the agreement is kept. Yeah. And I just say over communicate, let them know so many times, even if they are on a financial arrangement and a payment plan, let them know what their current balance is. Okay, Ms. Smith, I know you're coming in tomorrow. We do have that agreement that you're going to pay the $200 towards the total balance um, or you know, Ms. Smith, you're coming in and I noticed that there is a balance on the account from your last appointment. I'm not sure if you received the statement or not, but we can go ahead and take care of that when you come in tomorrow for your hygiene appointment. And just let them know and over communicate with them to the point where they're like, yeah, I know I got it. And it's like, okay, perfect. Um, because the problem is, the problem isn't that, oh, you told them too many times. The problem is they say, oh, I didn't know about that. And then that's where it gets uncomfortable. And then they say, oh, well, I'm not going to do my crown today. Now the doctor has a hole in his schedule because they didn't know about that previous balance. So I just over communicate with them. And if they're not contacting me and they know that they have that balance, I've sent them statements, I've sent them phone calls. That's a good indication. They're probably not showing up for that appointment. And now I can be proactive of trying to fill that spot for them instead of having a cancellation 
And well, I knew he wasn't coming because he had this balance. He hasn't talked to us. Um, so then that goes into the whole scheduling and how you can be proactive. So that's why financial arrangements are very important. And you need to give your team members the confidence because sometimes money is hard to discuss. Patients don't like it all the time. Team members don't like it. But if I have clear guidelines and it's written and we've agreed, patients have signed, I know what I'm able to do. I have the confidence of when to collect payments, when to give discounts. It just helps it. And then it makes me spend the energy on building that relationship and communicating instead of trying to figure out how can I do this? Yeah, I love what you said there. And if you're listening carefully, that system, when you work the system, you become more and more confident. And that's what I love when we see any member of the ACT Dental community that works the front desk. They're just really confident. They have a system. They communicate confidently. That confidence is a wonderful gift that you give patients about their investment. And so uh, you don't have to be thinking about that. Now, even given all that, every once in a while, if you're a great restorative dentist, patients are going to think you're a little bit expensive. And so would you agree, like whoever has this conversation, they got to have a little bit of thick skin up there. It's not going to be every day, but every once in a while, you're going to have a patient lean over and go, you guys are expensive. Like this is a lot of money. That's going to happen, right, Ariel? What are your favorite responses when those questions come your way? Yeah, I mean, and it's okay to joke with them, right? Is yeah, we kind of are, you know. <laughs> or they say, "Oh, doctor must be trying to get a new car." And like, yeah, trust me, have you seen my car? Like, he must be taking it, not me. I'm not getting this. <laughs> right? Have fun with the patients because they know, you know. Oh, I must be, you know, you know, just having fun with them. Because when they say it, most of the time they don't mean it in a harsh way. Um, they're just like, oh, wow. And if you lighten the mood of like, yeah, we get it. Or, you know, like, well, then you wouldn't get to talk to me. You know, so that's how I just like to lighten it because then they chuckle and then they're like, yeah, you're right. Like they start seeing all of the value, you know, of what they're receiving. It's not just the dentistry that they're receiving. It's the relationship. It's the you know other services that we provide. It's the comfort menu that they get. Yeah. I, Especially if they like that massage chair, say someone's got to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with what you're saying. Dr. Kevin Brown in New Jersey, I'll give you credit for this one. He built a brand new facility and his patients would come in and go, I guess I'm paying for all this. And he would say, well, not all of it, you know, and just have a little fun and get them giggling. So Cool, cool, cool. Well, Ariel, this has been awesome. Any last thoughts you have just on improving cash flow through better financial arrangements? Anything? The only other thing I would say is if you are going to do it, is get it written down, get the agreements, and then automate it. Make sure that it's system dependent. It's awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for being on, Ariel. I really appreciate it. So it's always good stuff. You're going to see we're going to have more and more from Ariel just on all things practice management as you will from all of our coaches. And so hopefully you guys found this valuable. So stick around Ariel while we say goodbye to everybody else, but thank you guys for listening to the best practice show podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I hope you did just do us a favor, hit the share button, share this with your friends. We love meeting new people out there. We love this profession so much. We're going to keep bringing you great stuff to help you improve the way you think about your practice and create a better practice and a better life. So until we see you guys next time, or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here 
and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm gonna spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.